And we're back. It's time for another edition of your Exit Squad. How are you doing today, Mike? Excellent, sir. Excellent. I am looking forward to our guest today. Well, I am too. And and what is going to be really great about this story is that we have the pleasure of talking with someone who not only is thinking long-term about the exit of their business, but they've actually been a part of this from the other side of the table. They part- They purchased this business. And it's one of the things that I've often um, realized when talking with business owners, if they've never bought a business before, they sometimes have a hard time understanding what the mindset of the buyer might be. But today's guest is in a unique position where he's been on that side of the table. That's right. Uh, a huge uh, value in terms of the insight of what that transaction might look like, if nothing else, to understand what might motivate uh, a, a buyer, right? That's uh, having that uh, that perspective is so valuable. Yeah. And I'll remind everyone who's watching uh, that if you haven't already, it would be really great. If you want to subscribe to the show, make sure you never miss an episode. Head over to yourexitsquad.com. That'll bring you to a place where you can subscribe to the YouTube channel. And you can also find us on all the popular audio podcast services as well, if you prefer just to listen. And if you're a business owner and you're thinking at some point you want to exit and you'd like to share your story, get some help from some of our squad members and other people, then you can always head over to yourexitsquadguests.com, which is a place where you can actually fill in a brief form to tell us a little bit about yourself. And uh, we'll reach back out to you and have a conversation to see if you might want to join us here on the show. Absolutely. Absolutely. Sign up today. Sign up today. And with that, we're going to introduce our today's guest. Um, Everyone, here's Tony. How are you today? Hi, guys. I'm doing great. How are you? Excellent. Excellent, sir. Uh, Yes. And uh, David, as you mentioned, our guest today is Tony. He's the owner of Dents and Stones Automotive. Tony purchased his business not all that long ago, but he's already started wondering a little bit about what the the ultimate path to exit might look like for him. So, Tony, we're excited to uh, to talk to you a little bit today. But uh, start us at the beginning. Give us a give us a a sense for your background. How did you end up owning a business? Uh, well, first and foremost, I'm a I'm an immigrant from from the UK. I moved to Canada in 2007 with my two children. And I've always been in the auto industry, so um, it's it's something that's always attracted me back to it. I've left it once or twice and then come back to it. So it's uh, it's just one of them things that I feel, you know, um, feel as though I have some value in, in, in that industry and, and some prior knowledge that, you know, I could bring to, to, to the business. Um, so uh, I saw this business for sale on just one of the websites I keep strolling through um, and and it, it, it actually interested me I didn't want to I was like um, how could you say I worked in dealerships in the UK quite a lot and my position was basically to um, set up the rental departments for the likes of Ford Motor Company or BMW uh, and staff them um, them outlets and uh, and train everybody and uh, you know, so I wasn't actually in the sales, so to speak, um, you know, retail sales. But um, I did a lot of, uh, in addition to that, also business to business sales for fleet customers. So I spent many, many years doing that and reached a, a pretty good level of success, actually. So uh, you know, I was number one sales, you know, for BMW for a year or two, which was great. 
um because i actually enjoyed the job so it was just basically calling companies and trying to get them to put our product into the business as opposed to you know other manufacturers vehicles sure so would you would you call yourself a car guy yeah i mean i don't know much you know i'm not into the you know hp you know how fast it goes and i just like being around cars i think every every guy has that from an early age i think every boy you know has some type of you know um affection for vehicles i don't know why but uh i'm no different so well yeah i do like being around cars and i wanted to get back into that industry because i'd come out of it for a little while and um you know i was yearning for something that i could add a bit more of my knowledge to uh, to see whether my experience would work in this country, in Canada, as 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 it did in the UK. So, but I didn't want to go and work for an employer. To be fair, I didn't want to. Uh, I didn't want to work in a dealership and you know do all them long hours and a lot of traveling because you know I had my own family here now in Canada and you know I had another business as well, which you know meant I was, you know, it needed me like two or three evenings, you know, even more per per week. So. So, so tell us what Denson Stones does and how that relates to your background and, and how you thought you were going to be able to capitalize on your experience in this particular business. Yeah, I mean, the business does, it has basically four faucets of the business. So we have, um, we do vehicle detailing, which accounts for about 30% of um, our business. And it's a mixture of uh, used car dealers and the public. So that's one aspect of the business. Uh, the second aspect is um, windshields. So we do windshield repairs and windshield uh, replacements. That's probably around about 18% of our business at the minute. Uh, and then the other two sectors are the rust protection and undercoating, um, which is um, a big part of the business. And the last one is a body shop. Now. In terms of the body shop, it's not a massive body shop. It's not, we don't do accident damage. We just do small, as the name suggests, you know, dents and stones. So we'll do the dents and, you know, and scratches and, you know, light repairs, bumpers and, you know. Um, so I, it, it's not an area of the auto industry that I know too much about. So to me, it was a challenge as well. But I knew I didn't want to go into selling vehicles in dealerships. Uh, I wanted something for myself. And uh, I thought, wow, this is a challenge as well, you know, so I know a little bit about each area of the business, but I don't know a great deal. So it would be a learning curve for me. So I thought with some of the background I have in the industry, that maybe that would help, uh, specifically the sales side of things, because I, you know, I have no issues going out trying to get business. You know, I feel quite, well, I feel very confident in my ability to do that. And I thought I could add value there. You, you've got both uh, other businesses as clients as well as the general public. Through overall yeah. your whole business, how much of it is done with other companies as far as revenue? Okay, as far as, yeah, as, as far as revenue is concerned, um, I, I actually did these figures just the other day. We're about 70% um, corporate businesses or business-to-business -business sales. And the rest, you know, the other 30% would be the general public. Okay, so it's a good mix and it's it's that's a mix I actually used to try and achieve when I was um, basically setting up rental departments for for you know for for dealerships 
And Tony, uh, just so I understand, when you talk 70 cent, uh, 70% of B2B, you're doing fleet management and, and care and concern for corporate vehicles. Is that is that what I understand? It's, well, it's mostly car dealerships and, you know, used, okay. car, used car dealerships. Got uh, it. And then, uh, you know, they'll use us for their undercoating, not the undercoating, they'll use us for the, the detailing or any paintwork that needs doing or windshields, blah, blah, blah. Got it. Got then, it. So if, the, if someone know, trades in a car to buy a new one, it's got a little bit of rust along uh, the edge of the fender. Yeah. They'll send that to you. Yeah, they'll send it for us and they'll send it for the detailing as well. So they're covering two aspects of our um, what we offer at at at, at, um, at at work. So that's you know that that's that's how it seems to be working. And the other the other the other dealerships we deal with are main dealers, and they send vehicles to us for undercoating, um, not so much body work because they usually have their own body shops, uh, and they usually have their own detailing um, outfits as well. So. Um, so that's how the business model is made up at the minute. Yeah. Excellent. And you, how long have you owned the business, Tony? I purchased it in January 2021. So okay. in about four or five months, it will be two years. Very good. Very good. <coughs> yeah. What's been the biggest surprise of ownership for you since since day one? We've had lots of surprises because I think in terms of purchasing an established business, and this was an established business. I think it'd been there 18 or 19 years. So it had some great clientele, and um, the previous owners had done a, a fantastic job um, building that reputation. So we just followed on with that. But there are other issues that have come up, which, which I, you know, um, we're in the COVID, still in the COVID sort of era, uh, and uh, we were only months into it when I purchased the business. Sure. So we've had some challenges in terms of, you know, parts being supplied um, for, you know, some of the body work. And we've got to wait for some of the parts coming in for months now instead of, you know, a couple of days or a week or two. So that's been sort of a learning curve. But I sure. think everybody's had some sort of, um, you know, experience of that through, you know, the, the pandemic. So um, and hopefully that will all peter out at some point. I don't know when, but I'm positive it will do. Um, and other challenges or other, su not surprises, but um, things I've had to deal with that I didn't expect would be when you purchase a business, and I, I wasn't aware of this, so it's maybe my naivety here, but uh, when you purchase a business, you purchase the good and the bad. <clears throat> and I think it'd be a bit, you know, a bit uh, narrow-minded to think that there's not going to be some things that you want to change um and i think you know there's there's been one or two things i've had to change there you know i've had to change some of the people that were there working um you know because for they had to fit around what i wanted in terms of you know uh, everybody's different so i run a business a little bit different to the next person maybe so you know some of them did just didn't fit in with me uh, and we've had to, you know, find the right people to take the business forward. So that's that's been a challenge because it's a personal thing as well um, that you don't want to get involved with. But it's something you should consider, um, you know, looking at any business, uh, the, you know, the, the employees and how long they've been there. And maybe I should have asked more questions. I don't know. But, uh, sure, sure. Yeah. Did you did you come into the purchase, uh, Tony, with a uh, with a <coughs> plan in mind in terms of i'm going to do this for five years or 15 years or what what was the outlook when you started i think well i think from well from day one i said i'm going to spend 
every single day for the first 12 months to two years working there without time off. And it was a, it's a big, it was a, it was a big ask. So I'm not 21 yet. I don't have the energy a 21 year old would have, but, um, but I did it. And, and the main reason I did that was because I wanted to find out every aspect of the business. Uh, and you can't I love have- that. I just love that. The, the wisdom of that is just something we should magnify out to, to folks who are listening. I, I'm sorry to interrupt, but I just yeah. love that. Yeah. I think it's very important that you, you know, it's, it's like anything. I, I, we're all salespeople. Every single person who's born is a salesperson, you know, um, they, although they don't realize it, but they are always selling themselves, whether it's, you know, crying to get fed as a child or whatever it may be. We're all salespeople. And um, I think that side of it in me was, you know, I've got to be confident in, in what I sell. I've got to believe in it. I've got to know it. Um, and, you know, it's, it has been a struggle um, because I didn't know anything about that side of the business, really. Just very limited knowledge. So um, I've had to get my hands dirty and get stuck in. And, uh, you know, and, and it's great. You get to meet the customers and, you know, I, I'm not just like an owner of a business that that wants to just own it and sit back. I'm not an investor, so to speak. Uh, I like to get involved with it and meet the customers because I I believe that's how you can build the business. But getting back to your question, Mike, I think um, after that sort of, uh, you know, that's what I wanted to do. I think my initial thoughts were, you know, maybe I'd like to franchise this if we've got, you know, a model that was perfect. Well, not perfect, but near perfect that we could duplicate um so i started logging everything down you know what procedures we take in the morning what you're going to turn the alarm off and put the computer on and put the fans on and open you know i, I logged everything so that you know if, if if something ever happened to me somebody could pick up that file and say okay well this is what we do um but for me to do all that and to get to know the processes and the procedures i had to physically get involved and do them all and find some areas that probably, you know, didn't work, but then I had to change them. So that was my initial thing, you know, looking at franchising um, or even just opening up other branches in other towns once we've got a successful business model. So that that was it. I never thought about exiting the business or anything just 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 then. Sure. Um, but I think it's with with my age. I'm 56 years of age now. I am looking at you know down the road. Um, how how do we how do we build a you know a a business that's attractive to other purchasers and that does you know it, it does what it says on the can you know it, it, you know we, we we have a good product so um i don't know if that answers your questions but uh well I, you know as i mentioned during the introduction what i think is so great about tony's telling his story <laughs> is that you're really explaining you know what you were looking for which was a business that you could contribute to that you were going to be able to run and manage and get your arms around and get your head around and you got in there and you made the commitment to work there every day to learn everything there was about it and you represent actually the most common kind of business buyer um, and it's the one that the online media kind of gives the least amount of attention to is you are the the owner operator who's going to buy the business and become the day-to-day manager and you know let's talk a little bit about your relationship with the seller because before the transaction was finished you were talking with the seller they were telling you about the business and then after the deal was done presumably there was a training and transition period and can you can you talk a little bit about that and 
And, you know, now it's been over 18 months. Do you still talk with the former owner from time to time? Yeah, I mean, we've built quite a good relationship between us because, <clears throat> like I said, I, I do have, I did have another business. Uh, you know, I had a gym uh, teaching martial arts, which uh, which is very I'm very passionate about. Even though I don't own the gym now, where I sold it to one of my younger instructors to enable me to raise some capital to buy this one. Um, but I'm very passionate about that business, and the previous owner of Dents and Stones is very passionate about that business. You know, so it was a, it was, it was a great, how can you say, it was a great partnership. He he stayed with me, him and his wife, for um, they stayed with me for a month, and um, I, they didn't know me. I never knew them prior to purchasing the business, but um, yeah, they helped me out immensely. And uh, you know, I wanted to change some things. You know, the decor of the business and the office, and but and I started to change a few things just to give you a little bit of an example. And I realized that, you know, uh, the previous owner said, yeah, that's okay. But I could see in his face it wasn't. Uh, he didn't, you know, it was a big shock to him, you know, just changing the colors of the walls. And uh, so we, um, so I actually just, he said he'd stay with, it, with me for a month. And uh, I soon realized that, you know what, I shouldn't be making any changes because this is his baby. Uh, and once he's, he's out of the business, then I'll start to do that. So just as a respect for him and his wife, because, you know, they were fantastic with me. And uh, he's always on hand. He's been he's been in the business quite a lot, um, trying helping out and um, seeing if we're okay. So he's always at the end of the phone if I need him. And uh, at one point, which was last September, we our rust check season, if you like, is September to towards the end of the year, mid-December. And it just it does get absolutely crazy that you know we're, we're doing hundreds of them, and uh, he popped in the office and <clears throat> saw me at one point, and I was flapping. I was like, "Oh, I've got to do this. I've got to do that." And I was filling out the book, and that you know, "Holy, we've got you got to go get these done today." And he said, "You look like you need some help." I says, "I do." He says, "Right, I'll be in in the morning." I said, "Really?" He says, "Yep, yeah, I'll stay with you throughout the rust check season, just so you know what to expect." And um, Wow, Obviously, wonderful. Yeah, it was a fantastic, you know, thing that he did. And it, it, I think it was his his way of still teaching me, um, you know, along, along through the busy periods with, with the rust check season because I, I wasn't aware of it. And um, prior to me doing it, him and his wife were doing it while I was on my own doing, trying to do everything. And, um, so, no, he, he held his hand out and... Um, even to this day, he still does that. So we have a great relationship. Yeah, that's yeah. wonderful. Yeah. And and how has the now you've had it for more than one full accounting cycle? You've had it for for over one year. Yeah. How has the performance of the business changed, if at all, between you and and the prior owner? Well, that's that's an interesting uh, question, Dave, because um, that's one of the concerns when you buy a business and establish one is. Is everything going to be, you know, as they've predict, you know, as they've told you the previous owner? Because you don't know them. Um, but no, we 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 printed off all these accounts and everything for each individual month for the last couple of years, last two two fiscal years. And um, you know, he'd come in at the end of the month, even though you know he was just passing. He'd just say, "I'll come in at the end of the month, and we can go through the the figures if you like." I said, "Yes, that'd be great." And we did, and we compared everything. Um, 
and there'd be areas there where he said, Tony, we probably spent a little bit too much this month on blah, blah, blah. You know, see if you can get that down. So he's been great with that. But in terms of your question, David, um, the, the figures have stayed pretty true to what he said. Uh, we haven't, um, I mean, I thought I was, you know, the world's greatest salesman, but it's not about sales really when you buy a business because the, you know, the sales are, are already there, but uh, it's trying to increase them sales. But again, we had other things to do first, but um, we've managed to maintain the same amount of profit roughly as the previous owner, which is a great thing. Um, he was true to his figures. Um, and we have had some instances in, in the auto industry where we've had problems with um, uh, supply of mm. vehicles, all the dealerships have, so that affected us. Um, I'm, go I'm going to have to ask you, can, can I just go to another room? Because I've just saw my granddaughter and my son turn up. Yeah, sure. <laughs> I wasn't expecting that, but I'm going to continue in another room if that's okay. No, that's great, Tony. Sorry about this. No, no worries at all. No worries. I'll just run upstairs before. Okay. I'm going upstairs. <laughs> She's being really good. She's saying shh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. So no, it's um yeah, we've been very, very lucky to maintain you know the same amount of sales and profit as as the previous owner. Sorry, I don't know what happened there. No, nope, oh, we got you. Um, we got you back. Yeah. But okay. Like I said, the business has, you know, the, the auto industry has seen some changes. Um, so and, and, to... and, and Tony, as you've learned over the last year, what is your outlook on growth? What is your outlook on the potential for the business? Um, do, do you still have that vision of franchising? Do you still see a big upside or, or has that perspective changed? It has changed a little bit, Mike, and I think it's a good thing because it means I'm growing and and um, in that business and looking at the whole industry as a whole. Because <clears throat> things do change. We are in a different era, if you like, when it comes to the auto industry in every industry. It's, um, you know, we've got the electric vehicles coming on and, you know, so there's some great areas that I can move into uh, in terms of, you know, um, growing the business but I, i'm not particularly interested in the franchising now which is it's funny because originally that's how it started i thought franchising is the way but i mean maybe i was listening to outside sources i don't know um you know because there are a lot of successful franchises out there but now i'm looking more towards um you know once once i've got the model that i'm happy with you know i would like to maybe open up another one in another town you know, and, 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 and get the right staff in there and, you know, managed as opposed to franchised. I think that's the way I'm, I'm looking at now, yeah. yeah. I, and I think, though, if you ever did want to open the door to that franchising route, having another location that you are not present in all the time is the actual litmus test of whether or not it really is a franchisable model, is being able to get employees to execute on all the different roles in the business. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think we're yeah we're, we're getting there. I mean, there's not, it's not a massive big company. I think we, we've got um, I've only got four people employed, and myself. But the, you know, I think we've got the right four people on board, and um, you know, I think that's 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 a great thing. I just want to, but it's took eighteen months to get there because you know I've only got one member of the original staff. 
Um, you know, and I think he's getting up there. Maybe in the next five years, he'll be looking to retire as well. So I have to sort of like make provisions for that, uh, and 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 you know, uh, accept that's going to have to happen in the next you know four or five years. So, so at this point right now, you mentioned that you're 56 years old, and and I've I've got to tell you, you know. In my experience, a lot of people who buy businesses are in that middle age kind of category, just where you are, yeah. right? They're they're very much like you're you're very um, typical of, of a common business buyer because it takes most people until um, you know until their late thirties, early forties to accumulate some capital and and some um, understanding and management skill and all that type of thing. Just as the same as you through your journey. Um, when do you foresee that you want to be retired and not working? Let's work at this from the other end. Um, have you got a certain age benchmark that you're thinking that you want to be uh, exiting and retired from business altogether? I, I don't. <clears throat> I think as a business owner, and I have had other businesses, and I come from a family of um, entrepreneurs, if you want to call them that, uh, you know, who have their own business. I don't ever want to be without a business. Um, you know, I'd like to have somebody, you know, I mean, I've even thought about the idea of getting somebody in to manage the business, um, whereas I still own it and I'll still be there if they need me, but I'm, I don't want to be involved with the day-to-day -day running of that. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, and that's the, the key behind maybe fixing, or not fixing this model, but getting the model to where I'm happy that I could leave the business and it's still run and then move on to the next one. So, I mean, I think you can do that well into, well past your retirement age. I don't think, uh, I'm not gonna be putting 50, 60 hours a week in. I'm, I'm not looking forward to doing that in my 60s and, and, and further than that. But uh, I'd, I'd still like to be, you know, building businesses. I, I don't think that's, you know, I think that's in your head and that's, it's part and parcel of who you are. Um, I just like to see things working and, you know, I can stand back at the end of the day and say, you know what, we did did great. We got this extra account customer on today, and it's all me. You know, I actually went out there and I got it, and it's it was something from nothing. So that's a big achievement. Um, so know, it's it's not for you, Tony, about going from uh, owner to former owner. This is a question of freedom, right? This is a question of yeah. are are you are you going to be locked down in the business sixty hours a week, uh, or can you create a model and populate it in a way that allows you to either go and start that second business or actually be downstairs with the grandkids in it right yeah yeah exactly that's that's what i'm looking at it's um you know i'm not looking for a career um i'm looking for something that I mean, they call it turnkey operation over here. I've, I've never heard that before in England, but it's, you know, like, is that what they call it, Dave, where you can, the business runs itself or something, uh, or you have managers involved? Um, Tur turnkey usually just means that you don't have to go and add anything additional. Everything is ready to go. All right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe I misunderstood that one, but, uh, but yeah, I'd like to have a manager in the business and still own the business. And then maybe, you know, my job would be to find the next one. And, um, you know, and I could perhaps do that as long as I can talk and I can still get a, you know, I've got all my faculties about me. I, I think I can go doing and I wouldn't mind doing that into my retirement years as well. It's, um, you know, but at some point, if you know, if we build a, a big enough business with, you know, a few outlets, then maybe, you know, somebody will come along and, and offer me the right money. And if they did, 
I'd still do something. I, I, I'm not ready for sitting down doing it, you know, nothing or gardening at home or anything. I want to, I, I enjoy building businesses and, 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 you know, the challenges they bring because it helps me grow as a person as well. So, uh, yeah, I enjoy that, although it's uncomfortable sometimes, but, you know, that's why business is not for everybody. It's, um, you know, some people just want to work for an employer and that's fine. But um, I like to make my own sort of um, future, if you like. So, so yeah. what is what is your next goal then in Denson Stones? Is it to replace yourself with an with a manager who's going to do the things you're doing every day? By the time I'm sixty, which is four years' time, this is you know getting back to your question. Um, yes, I'd like to have re replace myself in the business in that particular branch, um, and maybe I'll look at another one then. But I think, you know, I, I could say, you know, being naive that from purchasing the business to expanding to another outlet, you know, at the beginning, I thought it'll take me, it'll take me two years. But I'm, I was being naive, to be fair with you. Um, there's lots more to consider than that. So, um, you know, I've given myself till I'm age 60. So, yeah. And, and Tony, do you have a do you have a sense for how much growth needs to take place from where you are now to the infrastructure that would allow you to do that? I mean, you have to double in size. Is it a 50% growth? Is it 10X? Any idea what kind of growth you're talking about? Well, I think um, I can only grow as, as, it's like a goldfish will only grow as big as its tank. You know, you put in a bigger tank, it'll grow bigger. And, and I'm in the same position. We're at maximum um, usage of the space we've got at the minute, whereas I cannot really add any of the additional services I'd like to. So, um, you know, in another three years' time, I'll be out of that lease because uh, I signed up for a five-year lease. And then I'd like to move on to a bigger premises, whereas I can offer a few more services. Because, uh, you know, there is the demand there. I have the, the demand that I've got a great customer base. We could offer more because they're spending it elsewhere. Um, you know, so I think, uh, but where I am at the minute, Mike, I can't really expand that. Um, so the, there are some fantastic opportunities to build, you know, add, add on services, uh, in okay. the future. Yeah. So, okay. So, so adding services to the existing primary location is, is one aspect of growth. You, you said yeah. uh, just a few moments ago that you were thinking you could add another location or a new outlet. Uh, within two years, and now you kind of realize it's going to be more like five. Can yeah. you share a little bit about how your perspective changed? What what things did you realize were going to take longer? Did it have to do with, you know, assembling the the money required to grow, or did it have to do with uh, your management team or or lack of it right now? Like what what changed your perspective from thinking it would be a two year project to a five year project? I think one of the biggest aspects is, and I think this is, um, <clears throat> it, it, it's, it's not something any of us you know, in this podcast or anybody listening to has, has gone through before. And that's the, the pandemic's created some mm. issues for every employer in, you know, mostly in, in, in finding um, the right sort of people. Um, you know, I seem to have had a, a, a lot of problems with, with that, trying to find the right, the right people and, um, I don't know what it is, but uh, we weren't getting any responses from our advertisements for looking, you know, I'm looking for employees. So I think, but every business has had some sort of, you know, that recently every business 
you know, has had a problem trying to find the right staff or any staff, to be fair. So that sort of like held me back in my tracks thinking, hold on a minute, this is not as easy as I thought it was going to be. Um, because prior to, you know, the pandemic, you know, there was there was people out there that, you know, there were, you could get staff, you could get employees, um, you know, but it seems to be there's, there's a shortage of them at the minute. And it's not just in Canada or in my area of Canada, it's, it's all over the world. You know, I'm hearing the same stories from back home of my brothers in England. So, um, sure. Are, are you but, fully staffed now? We're fully staffed now, yeah, yeah. Okay. But all, that that only just happened just this week, really. You know, so um, sure. you know we're training somebody else up who I think is going to be a great addition. Um, so you're 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 almost at full capacity in your current space, which means the revenue and profit upside in this current location is fairly limited. It's, it is limited, yes, yes. It's good, uh, you know, the profit margins are, are, are good. The business is doing, you know, it's, it's doing, as the previous owner said, it's, it's not doing any more, but it's certainly not doing any less. Sure. Uh, and we've had challenges. But um, I think, yeah, that there's more. I couldn't add more staff in the current position, uh, our current location, to do more work. Um, because I don't have the space, but there are other services and things I'd like to offer. Whereas I'd need additional people, but I'd need additional space. So that's you know that sort of slowed me down a little bit. Um, but it's great knowing that um, you know that that's that the future holds that I, I I can do that, but not in that particular location. And that's why I never purchased the location from the beginning. I was you know I had the option to purchase it, and I said no because it looked a little bit tight as it was. Uh, and I'm thinking, well, I'm not here to just, you know, curtake the business and just let it run its course. No, I want to grow this thing. So, I, I, you know, from the beginning, I had them ideas of growing it and, and offering more services. Um, so I'd need more space. So I think um, getting back to David's question, that was a realisation that, you know, this is not going to happen quicker, as quick as I thought, you know, the staffing issues that that the world is is experiencing not just me um and the fact that you know it's um it is a changing world you know it's um you know go back two years ago there was you know you'd never heard of electric vehicles really you know but that seems to be you know um a big thing that we have to encompass and you know going digital with everything we've got so you know there's been a lot of changes um at the you know over the last 18 months with every business and you know, that sort of put me, slowed, slowed me down a little bit and thought, you know, this could be a longer project than I thought. But I'm still, you know, still enthusiastic about it and excited about it. I know there's there's lots I can add to the business. So, yeah. Have you done any changes in the way you offer services to the, to the various customers? Any other than maybe like a price increase or anything like that? Have you, have you tried to innovate or change things in any major way? Yeah, we've looked at, um, obviously, I had to find out what, what part of the business, because there's four aspects of it, and uh, I had to find out which one was the most profitable and, um, you know, how I could expand on that. And it seems to be the smaller services that we offer are the most profitable, you know, so the quick car washes, you know, something, you know, which 
previously wasn't um, advertised. Well, we've got the little punch cards now that people, you know, buy buy four of them and they get the fifth one free. So that seems to be going pretty well. So I've added a few things like that. Just and I think it was just to highlight to our current, you know, clientele that we we do do other things. Um, you know, so we, we highlighted that then other things along the way just the small bits like the headlamp restoration and things like that that's where we you know we're we're not making massive amounts of profit but the profit margin on that is 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 bigger than some of the jobs that take us all day um so we're trying to highlight them through social media and you know uh, some leaflet drops we've done and um and basically and i don't want this to sound the wrong way but like educating our um current customers to what what we do because that was the biggest uh thing i found with the business is people didn't know what we did what is it you do you know <laughs> do you just do detailing i'm thinking no <laughs> because you know the detail is the least profitable part of the business but it takes a long time but it brings in other other revenue streams like scratches or you know they may need new windshield so we had to try and sort of push them other areas forward and and we did in the form of um i got a little video made um uh, a cartoon video okay. just to outline you know the four areas that we do just to try and you know let customers know that that's what we do and uh, we promoted that on social media and uh, google and um, the adwords and everything so you know it was like a i don't know i think it was a minute long video or something but it uh, it, it gave a different look on the business um you know more friendly we changed the logo and uh, you know just um just to let people know that we do other things so that's that's been one of the things that you know that I thought we could promote. So is Tony is that an effort to move from one service to a more profitable service? I mean, what I'm picking up on the vibe of is is that capacity issue is going to be very restrictive if it isn't already right. I, I, I mean, that's that's a huge challenge, especially if the goal is growth in a way that allows you some independence through active management by someone else. Yeah. I think it was um I think it was my way of trying to um direct customers to a certain um pro a certain service that we offer that's that's quick and easy and um uh, and more profitable. I think that's that's what I was trying to do really. Sure. No, uh, and it makes sense. You know, it's uh you know, because, I mean the detailing side of things is what people you know the local clientele knew we did but you know we earn more money on other aspects as well and i'm trying to highlight them in that little video yeah. um, first i had to find out who our customers were the demographics and you know the current the, the previous logo the previous ethos of the business was aimed at i don't want this to sound you know contradictory or, or, or against my predecessor but um you know it was it was aimed at a younger market you know with the fast cars and the fast logo with the you know the the flames flying away from off the logo i mean that you know that's uh, i thought this is fine it looked great and it served its purpose in the 80s <laughs> but um you know looking at it when i took over the business i i'd, I'd done a quick calculation 
of everyone who who came in through the doors you know what age and where they worked and what they did for a living and i would say that you know that the majority of our business um demographics is over 50s uh and you know the retired people i don't think they're that interested in you know fast cars with flames coming out the back of them so we we try to change the logo and that's what that video was about change the logo to a more friendly um you know approachable logo to try and get them customers and try and find out what they want they're the most you know out of the different genders or different groups who would perhaps have the surplus cash to look after the vehicles um you know the younger you know for whatever reasons but the younger people you know the, in my industry they didn't you know they don't have that surplus cash because it's so tough out there now you know, so uh, this is definitely a, a, a sort of a luxury service, right? I mean, yeah. uh, people always have the option of simply cleaning the car themselves. Yes. And so yeah. to, to choose to pay someone else to do it, it's you have to have disposable income to make that choice. That's the word I was looking for. So yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And I think that's what I was I was trying to do. I had to first find out who my customers were and then try and, you know, aim the marketing at them. Uh, but then I had to find out, well, you know, social, we do have social media and it's, you know, it's, we, we put advertisements out there, you know, twice a week. It's, it's always ongoing, but I know that's not where my business customers are, are going to pick up our name from because, you know, they're maybe over fifties, over sixties and not as, as, um, you know, they're not online as much. Uh, so we have to try and find areas and, you know, where do they hang out, you know, uh, how we can contact them. So, you know, and that's a work in progress. It really is because it's just, you know, I don't think there's any system out there that's going to tell me exactly this is where they are and just, you know, go there and put your adverts here. I think you've just got to try, you know, and uh, with your best efforts and, uh, and find out where your customers are coming from, really. So, uh, and, and Tony, do you have a sense if, if these efforts that you've described work, does the current model provide enough upside, either through you know filling out capacity or profitability, to allow you to achieve your goal of hiring management and and stepping aside? Can you do that in your current footprint? If if, if you're asking me if I could do that today, Mike, then the the answer would be no. Okay. Uh, you know, because I'd because um, I still need an income from the business. Of course. You know, so um, but I'm I'm under the impression that you know once we have you know another 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 branch, if you like, another outlet, <clears throat> and um, maybe we've moved from this current location to a bigger one, where we can offer more services, then I think you know that that could be a you know a very good possibility, and that's what I'm aiming for. So that I, you know, that I'm not encumbering on one branch really for my salary. You know, if it was spread between the two of them, you know, then that would be half rich. So it'd be more manageable uh, and make more sense, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because right now I couldn't just walk away, you know, and put a manager in because they're going to expect good money, and I, I couldn't pay them that right off the bat. So right, yeah, right. Yeah, I mean that's uh, that. The challenge you're facing is one I've seen other business owners run into frequently. I mean, you have a tight pair of shoes on, right? Yeah. The, the, this yeah. is, and so we can experiment with different dance moves, but at the end of the day, it 
we still got a tight pair of shoes on. And, and yeah. so the, that, that I think is going to be a, a, a significant um, part of the, of the targeting that you're going to need to do to get to an environment where exit is possible, right? It's, it's not just the, I, I mean, all the stuff you're describing is, is new business or new owner stuff, right? I got to learn the business. How do I attract my customers? Where do they hang out? I mean, it just makes perfect sense what you're doing and how we're how you're doing it, but it's kind of like veering ahead or looking ahead and saying, "Oh, there we've got these restrictions built into the model right now." Yeah. Um, it, how it how how imposing is that on you? How much does that impact how you're able to plan for the business? I would guess it's significant. It is. It's a huge, yeah, huge. Um, it, I'd, I'd call it a challenge, but it's not really. It's a challenge. It's a reality, you know. Um, you know, at the end of the day, what keeps me sort of focused and 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 on the straight and narrow is is because that business has been there for many many years, and it's you know it's it's sustained, the you know the 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 current clientele and they've offered the services that we're still offering, and you know for me to go forward for the next five years with that. We could do. We still make money, um, but it doesn't fit in with my goals and you know what I want to achieve for the business. Hey, but that, it, uh, Tony, that's just. I, I want to pause for a second because the truth of what you said is so important for owners to recognize. Right, what you've just stated is this business has been operating this way for years, for decades, successfully. Right. However, that level of success is not providing you the exit path that you desire. Exactly. And, and, and that is, that's truth for such a huge percentage of owners. David, you must run into that all the time. Well, yes. And, and, and we can expand on this further as to why your particular scenario in this moment, it could be so much different than that, that the seller enjoyed because, yeah. you know, the, the seller of this business owned the real estate as well. Yes, he did. Yeah, he still and, does. Yeah. And he still does. Okay, so he's your landlord. So yes. when he purchased that real estate, probably many, many years ago, he signed up for a mortgage with a certain payment. And then over the course of time, as prices and inflation went up, that payment probably didn't change. Yeah. And so in, inflation actually made that payment lower over, time, lower over time. And he didn't have you know, this big acquisition financing. So in your position, you're paying a fair market rent, whatever the space goes for today, and you've borrowed money in order to buy the business. So, you know, the same amount of profitability coming out of this business is very different for you than it was for him because your rent expense is higher and you've got all those debt service payments, that both interest and the principal repayment. Um, and so, when, when you say, you know, I can't hire someone to be the manager here because I still need a salary, I would imagine that most of the earnings beyond what you're taking as a salary is going towards this increased rent and the debt service that you took on to buy the business. Yes, yes. Right. And so that, that five-year time horizon that you're talking about, does that coincide with some of these debts being paid off? Um, yes, everything's... Um based on the first five years. So after the five years are over, I should have paid off. Well, I will have paid off um, the loans I had to uh, to take out. And there was some vendor financing as well. So okay. uh, 
everything's based on paying that off in in the five years plus what i've put in as well so yeah and yeah. and so you know in in my own youtube channel i'm sometimes uh critical of what happens in the us when people take an sba loan uh to buy a business uh mike and you've heard me talk about this quite a bit and i know a lot of our listeners are in the us in the us the sba will allow these loans to be amortized over 10 years and so what ends up happening is people can borrow more and pay more for businesses because they've got a longer amortization. And so they can afford to spread those payments out over a longer period of time. That is not a typical amortization for business acquisition anywhere else in the world. So, you know, in Tony's situation, your loans were over five or six years, most of them. By, everything was five years, yeah. Everything was five years. Yeah. So the business had to cash flow and be able to service its debts on a five-year amortization, which yeah. which is one of these reasons why when I point out that businesses in the States sell for more than businesses in other countries, this is one of the key reasons why that happens. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's, uh, like I said, everything was done over the five-year period and it's... Um... It was, it was interesting to do. The whole deal was so interesting because I, I didn't know it was possible. And um, David helped me out a lot here with, with the, you know, the, the purchase of the business. I didn't know what I was entitled to or, you know, I didn't know anything about vendor financing. And, you know, so all that was, was eye opening. It was, um, you know, it was very, very interesting. And it really helped me out. Well, I wouldn't be here today without it. So appreciate your help there yeah yeah well I'm, yeah. I'm glad to see that uh, everything's working out well for you yeah 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 it, it, it is doing it's the business doing good and like you said going back to mike's question it's um things have to change in terms of my expectations um you know because of the pandemic and what what that's brought you know in terms of changes for every business but also in in the realization because sometimes you know even me I've I've been in business before but you know I, I still went into this with rose colored glasses and thinking no oh, two years I'll be good you know I can <laughs> open up another one or replace me and and you know that's not the case so it's um but I think it it's it's character building as well because uh, you learn a lot about the business and and that's the key thing you've got to know everything about the business before you feel confident to go out and expand it. I've not really expanded on the business, um, you know, because I don't really, I wouldn't say I don't need to just yet. It's just that I don't have the capacity with the current, um, mm. you know, the current location to do that, um, you know, but in the future, that's that's what I'm looking at, you know, to, to, to expand on that. And there are great opportunities for me to do that. So uh, I'm looking forward to the future doing that. So <laughs> Yeah, I, I, I think, again, that... Uh that opportunity to find some innovative or creative ways to uh, step out of those tight shoes, right? I, I don't, I, um, I don't, I don't have it top of mind, but part of my thought is, is that, you know, you understand our model here, Tony, I'd love to, to see yeah. how we can find someone to be of assistance to you in, in figuring some of that out. How, how is growth possible despite the restrictions of the four walls how do how, how do you how do you find a way to add to that top line and bottom line within the restrictions that you have yeah i think that's a good question and just along them lines i think i mean i've i've, I've worked with quite a lot of the dealerships in the past you know back in england and um you know gone into dealerships that weren't perhaps achieving the best results you know profit wise and um you know I think it's, as a business owner, I've found out over the years that 
sometimes you don't you know it costs me more to acquire a new customer than expand on the products and services we offer existing customers so i believe that you know uh, we have a great you know database of customers that they're spending money elsewhere uh, to get services that we don't currently provide so i see that's a massive area for growth um you know that's going to hit the bottom line in the future um so sometimes you don't you know sometimes it's right there on your on your doorstep you know the answers are right there and you know i think going back to the way everybody a lot of people think about business is you know let's do some more marketing let's do some more advertising let's do the, well you know you've got a database there of customers who are already happy using your services so you know that sorry dave well, no. So, so what I'm wondering is, are you looking maybe for some kind of help in how to understand what those people are spending their money on elsewhere? Yes. I mean, it's hard for me to quantify. I mean, I know that they are spending, you know, money elsewhere on the vehicle because we don't offer that current service. And, you know, that that's what uh, I don't know how much to spend and I couldn't quantify that really. But they are spending it elsewhere because, you know, they're coming to us asking, do you do this? Do you do that? And it, it breaks my heart to say no. <laughs> you know, it really does because I know there's an opportunity there, but I don't have the capacity to do it at the minute. Um, so it, it almost sounds like you know that you want to be adding other services, but the question yeah. is going to be which is the one that you should put the greatest priority on? And, and, and you without quantifying how much is already being spent by your existing client base, it's hard to make the decision about which direction you should go once you're able to. Yes, exactly. Yeah, exactly. It's, um, I mean, there's some great areas in, in that we, you know, I've been asked for and we're looking into, and I think we could furnish certain, like ceramic coating. I mean, we're, we're behind the times in terms of, you know, dealerships or, detail shops offering ceramic coatings we should have been doing it already but you know i'm thinking i don't have the capacity to do it i've got customers who are getting it done and they're asking me where can they go and i'm thinking goodness me it's just money walking out the door um but you know i think it's um i think how can i say it's hard for me to say this but i think looking back and it's only through talking to you guys and you know and things are coming to my mind maybe in initially i should have looked at looked at the growth of the business and and said you know what this this place is definitely not big enough maybe i should sign up for a 12 month lease or a two year lease i don't know but you know it was obvious you know then that i wanted to add more services but i thought maybe we could fit them in but it's we definitely can't fit them in in, in the, the current uh, location but it's still room for growth in the future which i'm happy about have you contemplated taking one of those four facets and move it to another site? I've, yeah, I, I actually have. I have, yeah. And and it wouldn't be any of the four facets, Dave. It would be an additional facet of the ceramic coating because we can't do that in our current place because of the body shop. So most of the ceramic coatings have silicone in them. And we can't have okay. silicone in the earth when there's a body shop there because it will go on the paint. So, yeah, it would be a great opportunity for me to look at maybe, um, you know, renting another spot somewhere else. All I need is another garage or something um, and taking somebody else on or getting one of my current guys to, to, to go and do it. 
Um, you know, it's it's a it's a really interesting part of the conversation because David, my my brain was going there as well, but it was going there in this way. Tony, what if you started viewing your current location as your second location, mm. right? If this is going to, you might find that this, if this model can be profitable, but you know, you you don't want to dump it, but maybe this is your smaller second location. And what we need to do is start visualizing what the prime location looks like, includes, is located. And this 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 becomes a secondary profitable arm of of what the business becomes. That's a fantastic idea, and it's something you know. I I haven't looked at that, but um, it, once you said it, I thought that would be an, an ideal opportunity for me to get the business as it runs. I mean, it's right now it's just one room, if you like, and in that one room we've got a little section off, um, with a prefabricated building inside of that. That's the body shop. And then next to that, we have the hoist where we do all the undercoating and the rust check, which puts, you know, molecules into the air. And, you know, when you're buffing or, you know, polishing a vehicle, it'll land on that. So, but they all need their own individual bays, really. Um, And in a, you know, in in a bigger sort of, you know, a a bigger outlet, we could perhaps, you know, make that to order and it, it would run more efficiently. Definitely, definitely. And then we could add these other services on, like the ceramics, because that should be in a little spot of its own. It shouldn't have any, you know, contaminants in the air when you're doing that. Yeah, because that could ruin the vehicle. Because because viewing it that way now, instead of having to wait three years to you know see the see the lease run out, now maybe we can start to explore some of those strategies more immediately. Yeah. Again, there's no. still challenges to overcome with the financing and the numbers yeah. and all of that kind of stuff, but. Um, I, I don't know, maybe just a flip in perspective on that. Yeah, no, I think it's good because, like I say, we do. I've not really pushed the boat out in terms of advertising because a, there's times when I didn't have enough, you know, staff there because we've had one or two issues, um, you know, and B, could I fit it in in that current location? So I feel sort of like, um, how can you say, like I, I'm ready to burst out and, and, and right. you know, go and get some more business. I've even got current dealerships offering me more business in terms of the ceramic coating because they're not happy. I've got three dealerships now that will use us, you know, because they're not happy with the current uh, supplier or the current applicator. So, and we're already dealing with them businesses with their undercoating and things. So we've got a, a history with them and they're happy with the services. So Interesting. You know, it, um, really is. It's just, um, but, it's sometimes you, you, you get all these ideas and, and you get the opportunities that come by you. And I don't have the facility in my brain or the capacity in my brain to take them all on because I'm day to day running the business as well. So it's uh, you've got that aspect to, you know, to, to consider as well. Think, well, I'm running here I'm running there, and going to take more on. But yeah, I'd, you know, I'd have to take more people on to do it. Um, and, 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 you know, that creates a challenge in itself because of the size of, of, of the building where we operate from, you know, so, um, but using that as a second location and then another one as the main one would be fantastic, you know, because then we could, uh, I have no, no problems getting business. I I can get more business. I I feel confident because I, I, I think the products we offer are great. I really do believe in them, which, you know, I didn't know much about them prior to to purchasing the business but 
you know, I've had to sample them, apply them myself, you know, and, um, you know. And, and... So it sounds to me like, Tony, you are aware of which services need to be added based on the feedback that you're getting from all the different, and, and especially to hear that you have three commercial clients that are looking to send business this way. And this probably not one car each, it's probably many, many cars that they could be sending to have this done with, right? Yeah, yeah, because they're selling it in the, I mean, the, the fantastic thing about this business model is they're selling that in the finance office at, at the dealerships. because right. so, so people pay for it over eight years. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, regardless of what you think of the dealerships and how they off operate, I mean, I've been in them. I know how it works. Uh, I've ran some, you know, for, for Ford Motor Company. But um, it's, it's the used car market, or sorry, the new car market, there's not a great deal of profit in it. There really isn't. So they have to make up the some sort of profit in the back office. So, you know, in, in the business side of it, they have to do, otherwise they'd be out of business. So they rely on that business. They rely on the the warranty work, and that's really all you get from the new cars, really, uh, from a dealership point of view. You don't get anything else. So, so it, it sounds it. like like you need somebody to help you with some kind of feasibility forecast of doing something like what Mike just said. Yeah, because that side of it is is you know I don't know a lot about that. Um, you know, I'm not. I don't understand how. You know purchasing properties and stuff like that. I've never done it on a commercial um, aspect, so I, I don't know how to do that. But I would need help with that to see whether it would be feasible, um, you know, and what it would take, because I'm, I'm almost certain I can get the financing, um, but I just, you know, I, I don't know what well, it costs. I mean, I, I don't know if buying a property is the thing that makes sense. I think the one thing that this case illustrates for people is that businesses owning real estate, uh, I've seen this many times in my career, uh, people end up handcuffed. Yeah. They can't maneuver or grow because they, they become their own landlord and then they're stuck. Whereas yeah. if they were a tenant, they could just wait till the end of the lease and then move to a more appropriate locale location for their business. And, and that's, you know, the previous owner, he was operating his business in the space he owned, he got to a certain size, and then he ended up getting stuck for the balance of his tenure. And, and you're realizing you don't want to be in that same position. And I would say that, you know, even if he, this whole two location plan worked, and you opened up another location in a year, and you were able to grow your business, once one lease came to an end, then you could reassess again and decide if either of both locations were, were the right one, or if you needed a more central but larger location, or yeah. if it continued to work and you wanted to maintain that, or or however. The, the, the key, I think, is flexibility and ability to respond to the market. It's one of the reasons why um, I, I like large landlords, like people that own big portfolios of properties, because your landlord can often help you if your needs change while the lease is still in force. They they can say, you know, well, we have a client who could use your spot. We don't mind if we move you over here, you know, like like they, they can play flexibly within their portfolio if the needs of their clients change. Yeah. My footprint changed in my first business seven times in the first four years because we kept growing so um, so quickly. And as long as I was expanding my square footage, my landlord was happy to rewrite my lease. <laughs> yeah. yeah. 
But but I've seen it go the other way too, Mike, when when people have said to their landlord, listen, I know I'm in a lease, but I really like to give up some space only to find out one of the neighboring businesses is looking for space. That's right. That's right. Right. More flexibility. And, and so the landlord's like, well, you know, we can arrange this and we can make a move. We can move a wall or add a wall or whatever. And so just having a, pro, a pro, I always say, look at the square footage of a business like any other input, you know, what do you need and what, where is the best location to, to make your business successful? Yeah. And that, that's a, that's a valid point um, that applies to my business today because we have a lot of, um, a lot of businesses, uh, how can say a lot of dealerships opening up in a certain area, which is out of my area. Hmm. Uh, and you know, one or two of them have, have asked, "Are you coming over here? Why don't you open up over here?" Because we'd use you. And there's a lot of business there, you know, sure. and it's out by the airport, if you like. So the traveling to get the vehicles cleaned into mountain, you know, the traveling five or six kilometers out of the way to get the vehicles cleaned or undercoated, because nobody's up there. So there's, there's some huge potential in that particular area where all the dealership seems to be going. Interesting, and, you know, so. But it's it's a fantastic opportunity, it really is. It's just like, sometimes I find myself, as every business owner does, just going home from the end of the day and just then just my eyes have gone and kind of fall asleep because there's so much going on, you know. And people just see, oh, he's just running that business. Well, it's you know, running the business is the easy part. Doing the job is the easy part. You know, the hard part is is trying to you know um, project. Know what where you want to be with the business and trying to follow a, a path, um, you know, and a system. And and like like I've said today, because I do know David personally, and, and um, you know, I've said in the past, it's very lonely when you're in you know uh, in a business. It's very lonely because nobody else sees that, you know. And uh, all I'm thinking about day and night is how can I do better in the business? How can I push it forward? Or am I doing the right things now? And that's something you know. It's um, you need to get your head around that and in any bit and you know try and be around like-minded people because um you know 95 percent of the population are not thinking the same as you yeah you know? true but, uh, well you know, said you do feel a little bit isolated and then you know it, i don't know what happens but you just get tired then and think well you know i've done my bit for the day you know i've worked my socks off and uh, you know, I'll worry about growing the business tomorrow and I'll put some plans in action, but then eight o'clock starts and you're back in there and, you know, you're working your socks off again and before you know it, the day's finished and you've done nothing to move your business forward. So that's, to me, is just getting myself a job and that's not what I wanted. You know, uh, I think I'm I'm best suited um, going off what I've achieved in the past at building the business instead of running the business. So the sooner or better I can get in a position where I can, you know, have somebody in there that can take that role on, then I, I you know, I have no problems going out and building it. Um, I think that's where my my strengths are. There. I could be wrong, but you know, uh, that's where I think they are. Yeah. Well, this has been a fantastic conversation, Tony. Um, I, I think that there's been so many real life experiences shared about what it is really like to take over an existing business and that relationship with the seller and the position that a buyer is in. You know, I've spoken with so many business owners over the course of time who want to sell their business for the most amount of money. And they, they tend to think about themselves and their own position so much. 
and, and not many of them sit down and take a look at the position that a buyer is going to be in, you know, if they're, if they end up paying a, you know, a high price for the business and they have all this debt service, et cetera. And I think you've, you've highlighted the kind of situation that, that most business buyers end up in and you are, you know, in a, in a positive story, right? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's working out for you the way it was supposed to. And, you know, for, and that's and that's a, a fantastic story to be able to, to share for a lot of people that I work with who are buying a business. I often will ask the question, you know, what if sales go down 10 percent? You know, what if what if this happens? What if this happens? And those are the contingencies that they have to think about so that the shoes I like your analogy. So the shoes just aren't too tight. Yeah. Right. <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah. No, it's true. Yeah. I think it's uh, there's, there's a lot to be learned from buying a business. And I think one thing I've learned from this it, and it just happened just by pure coincidence that I had a business uh, that I was very passionate about. And I found somebody who was selling a business that he's very passionate about. So, you know, every year or every week goes by, he, he wants to know how we're doing, you know. And to me, that's that's fantastic because he still cares about that business. And he's a great source of um, knowledge that, you know, he's allowing me to learn from him. You know, um, so I think that's, you know, if I was looking at another business in the future, that's what I would look for. Somebody who's passionate about it, but maybe selling it because they may be retiring um, or, or, you know, not just selling it to make a big, big profit, but they've got to be passionate about it. And um, in my eyes, it seems to have worked great for me. So uh, I would certainly say that's something I'd be looking at you know, in the future if I wanted to buy another business. Yeah. It's Tony, cool. excited, excited to look to our pool of partners and find someone that that can help um, uh, move the move the playing pieces forward for you. So I, I think it's uh, I think that we've got some good options. No, I appreciate both of your time and effort to to invite me on. I think it's been fantastic. I've learned something already, you know, just in the time we've spent, and um, I hope that we can inspire some other people to make that uh, that leap and. Um, I'm living proof that you know, you're over 50 or 55, you know, some of us have still got it and we just want to keep working for it. And, you know, it's uh, buying businesses, not just for the young people. It's, it's for those old people too. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Tony, have a great day. Thank you for joining us. Okay. Thanks for your time, Dave. Thank Take you. care, Tony. All the best. Bye-bye. Wow. That, that was a, that was a great interview, right? I, I, I love I'm Tony's position where he's at right now. Uh, there's so many owners out there in the same place, right? We talk about the tight shoes there that, that, that where he wants to go from an exit perspective, from an exit plan, he's got the vision, but then there's all of these barriers in his way. And, and, but that's this journey, right? This exit journey is about, first of all, wanting it, seeing it and then starting to move through it. And so that's, that's what this is all about. Uh, that was, I thought that was great. All right. Well, I'm looking forward to finding someone who can maybe help Tony explore some of these options and then hearing back from them and sharing with everyone in the audience, what, you know, what happens next sort of thing. Yeah, um, absolutely. Or what, what was examined and maybe the decision is not to do anything. We don't know, right. but um, I'm, I think this is pretty, an, yet another exciting guest and another exciting story that's yet to unfold. Very, very interesting. 
And I'll remind everyone, if you're a business owner and you, you think you might want to come and share your story and get some help from us or one of our partners, head over to yourexitsquadguests.com, fill out a brief questionnaire. It will, it will be alerted and we'll be able to reach out and give you a, a phone call and, um, and chat a little bit about your, your story. And, and if it makes sense and if we think that it's something that can, we can help you with and that will be helpful for others to learn from, um, then we can make it part of the program as well. Great All stuff. Right. And so for me and Mike, have a, have a great day and, uh, and we'll see you next time. Looking forward to it, David.